LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. Five questions. Book Breakdown Edition. All right. <laughs> yeah. I did a little uh, New Churches action there. Because of the interruption? Yes, I interrupted you and I did something that I would have done on New Churches. Mm. But you didn't do... do, 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 do. That well, been different. we are going to be doing a book breakdown on the four disciplines of execution. Which we've talked about about 14 times on the podcast, <laughs> so it's really interesting that we just now got around. Because we assumed you've already read it. We've yeah. talked about it enough. And the reason we are actually doing a book breakdown on this is because there was one of you who reached out to us on Twitter and, and you said, hey, we'd love for you to do a book breakdown on this, All right? So that means if there are other business or leadership or secular books that you want us to do a book breakdown on, just reach out to us at Todd Adkins or at Daniel Sangi. Uh, Sangi is my Korean name in case all of you are wondering. That's S-A-N-G-I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> in that accent. Sorry. <laughs> So I just offended you, a lot of people. On <laughs> either way, either way. <laughs> I mean, they probably still wouldn't be listening to us if we offended them. <laughs> no, it's very true. Not into episode. There's a couple people that are like, get on with yeah. it. I don't like the banter. Just give me the meat. <laughs> then read the book. <laughs> read the book. For okay. Then, so buddy. if this is your first book breakdown episode that you're listening to, we basically have a set of questions that we ask about a book and by the end of the podcast. So nearing to the end, you'll have uh, developed a good idea as to what the book is about. And if you want to take the next step into reading it, and then we'll end with what uh, or, or what are some ways that you can apply this into your church. So let's start. Question number one, what is the book and why does it matter? Okay, so sometimes we will even shorten the name of this book to 40X, but it's The Four Disciplines of Execution, Achieving Your Wildly Important Goals. So wildly important goals is also turned into wigs. So if you ever hear us talk about wigs or other people talk about wigs, that is what they're talking about. I feel like Miss Piggy. Yes. (laughs) I feel like even on a few of our episodes, it's probably more in the new churches, one that we address theology and and, and that aspect of it. But I remember the first time I heard someone talk about the nuns. <laughs> I was that like, would be... Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? Nuns. The nuns? Yeah. Yeah, well, the There's spiritual nuns. nuns that listen. Yes. <laughs> the spiritual nuns. Anyways, that That has means that with, they yeah. aren't religious at all. Yes, exactly. Way, that's what so, nuns are. Wigs, Not 40X. Nuns. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so 40X, Four Disciplines of Execution, it says basically the outline of the book breaks down what are the four disciplines. So the four disciplines are focus on what's wildly important, act on your lead measures, and I'll talk more about lead measures later, uh, keep a compelling scorecard, and then create accountability. So if you practice these four disciplines of execution, and we you will, too we will, will reach your goals. Them. Yes, and we will unpack them later on in the podcast. It's about strategy length. and execution for yeah, the most part. it is. It is. Because if you want results, you need strategy and execution. Yes. And as the authors discovered, I mean, they've worked with thousands of leaders and teams worldwide. Uh, this is what they discovered. Once you've decided what to do, this is what they say in the book. Your biggest challenge is getting people to execute it at the level of excellence that you need. 
So what was fascinating is their research uh, uncovered that people weren't sure what the goal was. They discovered, in general, that people weren't really sure what the goal was. They weren't committed to it, and they didn't know what to do with it specifically, and they weren't being held accountable for it. So as a result, what they wanted to do was figure out a way for the reverse of that to happen in your organization and in your company. So it really is about execution and getting things done. Yes. Yeah. So who is the author? There are three authors, actually. And it is so amazingly difficult to remember. I know one of them's a Covey because I was like, oh. Yeah. I wonder if it's it's Stephen Covey's son. Mm, Probably. Or something like that. It could be. Uh, Jim Hewling or Hulling. I've heard it pronounced differently. And then Chris McChesney, which mm. is not related to Kenny McChesney, even though we're in Nashville. Yeah. And I don't even know who he is or what he sings. I just know that he's a country artist and <laughs> I'm in Nashville, so I should at least know his name. So all these guys are part of the Franklin Covey organization. Not Franklin, Tennessee, outside <laughs> Nashville. No. Also where many Christian stars live. And the biggest thing for them is that it's a consulting organization. So they've built an entire... I mean, we use this at Lifeway. Totally. Last week at my, I, I preached, well, at the time of this recording last week, I was at my former church up in Canada. And, and in the last year, they institutionalized the 40X method Ooh. into the staff and into how they do planning and goal setting and all that stuff. So it's it's it works outside of the church, but it also works within nonprofit settings and within the church. So hmm. uh, having said all that, I mean, that's obviously address that question that we ask, who is this book written for? So let's go straight to our favorite quotes. I'll give a first one. To achieve a goal you have never achieved before, you must start doing things you have never done before. Mm. I love that. I love that because so often in leadership, we just try to do things, you know, we, we just try to do it more or we try to work harder. And a lot of times we're doing the same things that we did at previous churches that we were at. And this is especially if it worked. If it worked, if, if you did something to institute change, uh, if you did something to bring about change and it worked at your previous church, a lot of times when you go to another church or another position, you're like, well, I'm just going to do the same playbook, right? And if you're following Cotter's principles for leading change, steps for leading change, then that's a good thing. But oftentimes, a lot of churches aren't using and leaders aren't using that framework. It's more a matter of, hey, that was my playbook. It worked there. So it should work now, shouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And in fact, actually, before I throw, um, you know, before I pass it on to you for the next quote, talking about change and talking about the eight steps and all that stuff, hey, if you haven't yet registered for our leading, our, our blueprint coaching event next month in California. Yes. It's all about leading change. It's all about having a full blueprint for change. So yeah. we've been asked, hey, why are you calling this blueprint? Well, because when you leave, you're going to be able to go back and roll out a blueprint, a full plan mm-hmm. on how to build this, how to make this dream come to reality from taking it from being a plan on paper to actually implemented and real. 
yeah. in your church. Yeah, it really is. And we've talked about it a lot if you've been listening into the previous episodes. But if you want to learn more, you can go to leadership.lifeway.com or just really easy, text the word blueprint to the number 888 That's the word blueprint to the number 888 and you'll get a link and know how to register for this event that's that's next month. And we're capping it. We're capping it too. So you'll want to make sure to get your tickets. All right, Todd, what other quotes? People don't want to buy a quarter-inch drill. They want a quarter-inch hole. Oh. Huh. It's about lag measures. Yeah, that's good. It is good. That is. So it's about the importance of asking the right questions and solving the right problems Mm. and framing it correctly for whoever's going to be buying what you're selling or whatever, you know, for us, it's like we're, we're selling a vision but we're not only selling the vision, now we're breaking it down into parts so that we can actually accomplish the goal. So thinking about lag measures, it's saying, hey, when you, okay, another quote, when you think about it, the principle of focusing on a vital few goals is common sense. It's not, it's just not common practice. Mm. As Steve Jobs often said, I'm as proud of what we don't do as I'm proud of what we do. Mm. Discipline, Number one is about defining the greater goal, and it is indeed a discipline. That's mm. McChesney. That's good. That's good. Uh, the I, I really like this one. The real enemy of execution is your day job. Yes. We call it the whirlwind. <laughs> Let me say that again. The real enemy of execution is not your laziness. It's not your procrastination. It's not that troubled worker or that that coworker that you don't like working with. No, the real enemy of execution is your day job, which is the whirlwind. So what's the whirlwind, Todd? Okay, uh, that is what you spend most of your time doing, the day-to-day stuff that is your job that may or may not lead to your goal. Mm. So uh, another quote from the book is 85% of working adults cannot tell you their organization's most important goals. Among the many reasons for this, most organizational goals are vague, complex, and pretentious. They may not even be measurable, guys. Many teams define a clear goal, but then complicate it by adding a lengthy description of how that goal can be achieved. Yeah. So in trying to do that, they create a whirlwind of stuff and they spend all of their time doing all these things, but they don't even know if those are the right things or if they accomplish their goal, they're not sure what happened. So that's why all four of these disciplines are extremely important. Yeah. And the whirlwind is not something you can just get rid of because no. the whirlwind is the massive amount of energy that's necessary just to keep operation going on in a day-to-day basis, right? So in a church, Todd, what would the whirlwind be? Uh, Day-to-day ministry, week-to-week ministry. It is, you're like, hey, Todd, I'd really like to implement this whole pipeline thing. I would really like to create this role description that you say is important for my volunteers, but I just need volunteers on Sunday. So that's why I'm spending Saturday frantically calling people Mm. because... Marge called me and told me she's not going to be there. Yeah. And then um, while I was calling another person to see if they could fill in at the 930 hour, they told me they weren't going to be there for the 1030 hour either. So I, I, I'm, 
Yeah. Right now, yeah. I'm just living in the whirlwind of keeping the number of people because our state requires us to have so many people for children. Yeah, Todd, exactly. you don't understand. And classes that is all need whirlwind to keep stuff. running. Studies need to keep running. Even the counseling or people dying, getting married. <laughs> just, I mean, it's not stuff you're going to get rid of as a church. It's it's things that, hey, I mean, you are serving your church. You are serving your community. You're doing that. But the thing about the reason why the four disciplines of execution work so well within a church context is you're able to separate the whirlwind from your goals, right? You're able to separate and, and you have to. You have to in order to move forward. So here's the thing. If you want to get out of the whirlwind, then you need to develop a leadership pipeline. Right. Yes. And when you develop a leadership pipeline and recruiting isn't a hundred percent on your shoulders as a pastor, that is what will get you outside of the whirlwind. It's important. You need to act on it, but the urgent often takes its place. Right. Word. Yeah. And so one of the things that I think is important for you to understand right now, before we move any further and you get any more confused. That would be that we're not talking – a wildly important goal is there's one or two for your whole church, your mm. whole organization. You, your individual ministry, may have your individual goals. That's fine. That is not a wig. A wig is for everyone. Everyone at the church is working toward one thing, and it's like what's your contribution to the wig? So it may be we're going to have this many people on campus at Easter, or it may be, I don't know, pick something. Mm. Whatever it is, it's it's to say, okay, how is my ministry area going to really participate in this? Not I'm going to have five wigs. You can't have five wigs. Yeah. <laughs> That's not possible. Everyone will die. Yeah. And nothing will get done. This is true. This is true. So just remember, the whirlwind is not bad, right? No. But so many churches are stuck in the whirlwind, which is why, which is why it feels like you're not progressing. It feels like your church isn't growing or you're not making any ground. And it's because the urgent is, you know, you're spending the majority of your day, time and energy in the urgent. So the whole idea of the book is when you implement the four disciplines of execution, which we'll soon get to and we'll walk through each of them. <laughs> Right. When you when when Hold you on. do those, that is what will allow you to step out of the world when you still need the world when it happens. You still need to do the things that'll turn everything, you know, turn the clock forward and um you, you know, not turn the clock forward, but but you know, you just gotta keep things going. But move before the ball discipline, down the yeah, field. move the ball down the field. But you need to go beyond Did you see that. that. You see me use the sports analogy yeah. there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And properly too. <laughs> I might add. Hey, I like this. Anytime the majority of the people behave a particular way the majority of the time, the mm. people are not the problem. The problem is inherent in the system. I love that, being a systems guy. Yes. <laughs> we would also say culture. Yeah. All cool. right. Similar books, Todd? What comes to mind? Similar books. Uh, man. I mean, I'm thinking good to great. Good to great because is because the flywheel, the flywheel effect. Yeah. Um, anything that is, uh, anything that is written by Collins. So good, to great, built to last. All those will contain parts of this. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because he's the one that talks a lot about the B hag, right? Which is kind of like a wig. Um, <laughs> Bossity. Uh, Bossity. Yeah, Bossity wrote Execution. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think. Oh, it's with Ram Sharan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Another really good one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think this one's better, though. Uh, yeah. Don't tell, don't 
don't tell Bobby. We really like Rapture Ed. Yeah, we love Rapture yeah. Okay. All right. So Everything I would say, <laughs> okay, it's getting kind of freaky here uh, or creepy. Uh, Death by Meeting by Lencioni. We're big yeah. Lencioni fans. Episode 292, we bo- broke down. I don't know how to say that. In you past know what? Tense. We what broke happened? down his book. Because he was supposed to be on the podcast. He was supposed to be on the podcast. What happened? Uh, schedules was had to get between, rescheduled. and I think that was, it was in between. We don't people. need to blame anyone. It's fine. Okay, no, I'm not going to blame yeah. anybody. No, we don't need to. <laughs> but it was pre-me. <laughs> anyway, okay, so we'll we'll have to work hard to get that. It was pre-me, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, but Death by Meeting, I think, is a very similar book because he talks about the meeting stew. So if you mm. haven't yet read the book, before you read the oh. book, listen to episode 292. All right, it'll give you a really quick synopsis and how it applies to the church. Uh, but yeah. This, this, just like this, just like Death by Meeting, where Lencioni gives you a clear way out of the meeting stew, this book is going to give you a clear way out of the whirlwind. Man, well, let's break down 40X. Let's go. Okay. But really quickly before, is this a summary, skim, sit down, or listen? It is a sit down. Yeah. yeah it's a sit down. Okay. How is this applicable? Put your big boy pants on. <laughs> they can be elastic pants if you want. They can have an elastic waist. I don't care. But put your big boy pants on. Sit down in a chair, kick back, and, and read, read this one. Okay, With so pen in hand and use the front and the back blank pages for your notes. Yeah, so you see, that? You see that right there in my book? I do. I see that. <laughs> I am Sans book today. Yeah. So how so let's walk through the four the four disciplines. Okay. Uh, but this is all about how the book is applicable to leadership in the church. So okay. number one, Todd, what is it? Focus on wildly important goals. So there's actually a study in here that talks about the number of goals and then goals achieved with excellence. So they're like, hey, if you have two or three goals, you're going to achieve two or three goals with excellence. Mm. If you have four to ten goals, you're going to achieve one or two of those goals with excellence. If you have more than ten goals, you're going to achieve zero (laughs) results Mm. with excellence. So um, it is really clearly defining what is the thing that will be most effective effective for our organization. So when you're thinking through ideas for what your wigs should be, you should be thinking about do we have a clear and predictable impact on what our overall organization will look like as a result. Mm. So you don't want to just make a wig for the sake of making a wig. It's something that should be aligned with the purpose of your organization and have a big, dramatic, visual effect. Yeah, so... Focusing on the wildly important goal, right, being one or two, doesn't mean that your organization, every single person only has, that everyone has the same job. That's not right. what this means. It means that everyone has the the big picture, the one or two really, really big picture, you know, everyone shares that really big picture goal, but everyone's going to be doing and playing different parts in service of that. So there's a really healthy framework that you can walk through in the book that helps you understand how do you build robust wigs for your organization. And the process starts by brainstorming all top-down and bottom-up ideas for the wig and keep it really simple, just, you know, one-line ideas for the wig. Uh, brainstorm how you can measure each one because if you can't measure it, it's not, it's not a wig. So um, you want to focus on what, not how. So remember, focus on what, not how. Because a lot of times we get into the whirlwind of the how. 
And we want to make sure we're focusing on what first. Rank your potential wig ideas in terms of importance to your organization. Test your ideas against the checklist to make sure your wig is achievable. And then once you've run it through all the possibilities, you decide on your one or two wigs. Yeah. And then that's where you need to understand what lead measures are Boom. and what lag measures are. So that's the second discipline, which is act on the lead measures. All right. So here's the biggest difference between lead and lag, right? Lag measures are the results that you get. Lead measures are the inputs that you do, right? So when it comes to, I mean, this is a, this, this principle right here was such a huge part of, uh, of no silver bullets, when I was writing the whole idea, I mean, basically, when I talk about input goals Ding! and output goals. Sorry, I was late. Yeah. <laughs> when I was talking about input and output in the book, right. um, it's really lead and lag, right? And the biggest thing with No Silver Bullets was, okay, what are we, – we always want maturity. We always want the results of maturity, but we don't necessarily know what the inputs are or the lead measures are that are going to get to those lag measures, right. which is the research that we unpacked here. So in the same way, when it comes to your church, let's say you've identified what that wildly important goal is. You can't just frame it up, print out a big poster, put it on all the walls and expect everyone but that's to what they get do. to that. Yeah, <laughs> That's what we yeah, do. But we can't do it because, because we are obsessed with the lag measure. When in fact, we need to think about, okay, if that's the result, that's the output, that's the lag, what are the leads? What are the things that we can do today that are going to move toward that? So uh, an example would be a lot of people, you know, it's, we're still in the beginning of the year. A lot of people are crashing and burning on their weight loss goals right now yeah. because they said, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds by Easter. Everything's about Easter today. Yeah, I want to lose 10 pounds by Easter. So <clears throat> they they say, oh, how are you going to achieve that? Well, I'm going to exercise, and I'm going to watch what I eat. That Those are not good lead measures because lead measures need to be distinctive and measurable. And so it's like if you want to lose weight, you say, hey, I'm going to only eat 1,500 calories a day, yeah, and I'm going to walk three miles a day. Mm -hmm. And then when we get into the uh, next piece, which is creating a compelling scorecard, that's why the scorecard is so important because then you look and you say, oh, based on my lead measures and me achieving those, where am I? So it might be, um, I did I walk three miles a day and did I only eat 1,500 calories a day? And where am I on track to reach my goal? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times in the church, we would say, hey, we want to have, you know, this, this many people here on Easter Sunday. And we think in our heads, oh, you know, I'm just going to ask every other meeting. Um, so what are you doing? How are you doing uh, on, you know, what are you doing to get people here? That is not enough. If you don't have the proper lead measures, you're not going to hit your lag or you might yeah. hit your lag and not know it. Yeah, you know, the so, only way you'll know it is at the end. So it's saying, hey, if you've got good lead measures, you know you're going to hit your lag because the inputs are going to equal the output. Yeah. And if you look at them along the way, 
with a scorecard, you're going to be able to see where you are and make adjustments accordingly. Yeah. So we can approach this a few different ways, right? So um, in, in the research that I unpack in No Silver Bullets, the Ding. inputs and the outputs, stop, Todd, uh, the inputs and the outputs, I mean, these are like these inputs have a high correlation with these outputs because of research, right? So you can approach it that way. Is there a research out there that exists that you can then leverage? If not, then you have to hypothesize and say, hey, if we want to uh, recruit this many new individuals or if we want to have these many new leaders or if we want to launch these, you know, this project or whatnot because it services the goal, then what are the, what are, and that's the lag, what are the leads that are going to get there, right? So number one, start with research if there is, but number two, you need to ask yourself these questions. Identify what the lead measure is or what a lead measure could be and then test it. Think, is it predictive? Is this, by doing this, is it predictive of the lag that you want to get? Is it influenceable? Can you actually do something about it? So that's where, you know, Todd's saying, okay, 1,500 calories, right? 1,500 calories. Yes, I can influence whether or not I consume right. or net 1,500 calories a day. And then the next one is, is it an ongoing process or is it a once and done? If it's a one and done, then it's not something that's a, a no. it's not really something that can be a lead measure because how do you, yeah, it just, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Is it a leader's game or a team game? Can it be measured? And is it worth measuring? So here's a example. I mean, we've coached how many people now through leadership pipeline? Over 3,500. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, so the big thing about our process, right? And if you come to blueprint coaching, uh, the pre, like before we do our actual change management coaching, which is all about leading change, the pre day, we're actually going to do an all day pipeline day, which is the 3,500. Yeah. Which is going to help you. the fire hose version of pipeline. Yeah. So the biggest thing about that process that we've uh, developed and ran uh, for a couple of years now is the fact that we always move you to implementation, right? So here's the practical, practical, practical thing that we talk about, you know, and, and this is a great illustration for lead and lag. We talk about recruitment, right? If you want to develop a leadership pipeline, you need to have recruiting happen at every single level. Right. So it's not the pastor at the top or the ministry directors under them that are doing the recruiting, all the recruiting for the volunteers, leaders and coaches underneath of them. No, volunteers need to recruit volunteers. Leaders need to recruit leaders. Coaches need to recruit coaches. Right. So recruiting has to happen at every single level. So let's say you are moving toward a second service. Or let's say you're moving towards starting a new campus or your wildly important goal is you're going to be planting another church, right? Or doubling your youth ministry or right. So imagine you have that wig, that wildly important goal. And one of the things that you need to do, one of the things that you need to do in service of that goal is you need to have three new leaders or three new small group leaders by the, you know, by Easter, for example, If that's the case, if the lag is you need three new, that you need to recruit three new leaders, then the lead is conversations. So if it takes about three to four conversations before someone is going to say yes to being uh, a, a leader, you need to ask or one of your leaders or volunteers, they need to have at least three to four conversations with the same or different people. And then someone will say yes. If that's the case and you need three new leaders, the three new lag measure leaders in four months, then that means you need to have 12 conversations in the next three to four months. 
right? And if you have those 12 conversations, right? So uh, is it influenceable? Is it an ongoing process? Is it predictive? Is it, yeah, it does meet all of those things. And if you do that, then by the end of the three to four months, you will likely have, there's a high possibility that you will have three uh, to four new leaders that are going to be serving. Now, take it to the whirlwind, right? What we were talking about earlier. Mm. If you just go about it at a whirlwind approach, then it's going to be the day, you know, this the week before Easter, you need four new leaders for the new service and you're just calling everyone up. <laughs> but Daniel, yeah, I made an announcement. <laughs> I got up and begged for them. Yeah, I told them that we need, yeah. according to state law, two volunteers yeah. in a then, room with every 15 Then kids. you're pulling the 20% that do 80% of the work. <laughs> Daniel, I did all the, I pulled levers. Yeah. That's not, that's not lead measures. Yeah. Lead measures. So there you go. Discipline number one, right? Focus on the wildly important. Discipline two, act on the lead measures. And Todd, number three? Create a compelling scorecard. Mm, I feel like XP types and systems types and even lead, lead pastors all love the idea of a scorecard. But what does that look like in the church context? Is that just measuring your attendance and groups and giving? Uh, no. I mean, it, on the scorecard piece, it really is everybody needs to bring kind of their contextualized scorecard to the table. Mm. So, you know, when I gave the example of losing weight, that's easy because that's just about me personally. And I can then see, oh, this isn't working. Like I was successful early on, but now I've hit a plateau. So either I'm going to have to increase my exercise or I'm going to have to decrease my calorie intake, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of a thing. When you're looking at, at a church-wide thing, there are some things that everybody can affect. But more importantly, there are individual things that each ministry area can contribute to that end. And so they need to have their scorecard as well. Mm. So that's the big piece is how does this all, you know, kind of roll up together? But you want to design your your scorecard in such a way that it incorporates both the lag measure and lead measure in some engaging way. So most people, 67% of people supposedly learn visually and are going to engage with that more than, you know, if you just kind of write it down. So charts are important and like literally sometimes having a scoreboard is, is vitally important. I mean, you know, think about um, for years and years and years. I wonder how many thermometers have been created uh, in achieving, you know, That's a true. giving goal or, you know, reading books. My kids' mm -hmm. uh, classes are now reading books, and, and they're creating some kind of visual representation to move people forward. So think about ways that you can do that. Design a scoreboard in such a way that it incorporates the lead and the lag in an engaging way. Uh, and you want to put that in a place that's, uh, highly visible. So um, if you look at the Gospel Project is one of our three big curriculums. It's one that's grown massively. Um, but whenever we have an emphasis on Gospel Project, you know, we're trying to do things that um, engage people in it so that they can see it and feel it. So it would be, hey, how many previews do we have? And then Okay, how many previews do we have where people fill out the whole form? They even told us what area of ministry that they're serving in. So if you look at those two areas, you're going to see better results for the people that fill out the full form. Well, why? Because 
they're getting the children's curriculum. And before, we didn't know what to send them. You know, we didn't know what they wanted to see. And so there's things like that. Just I know that's a Lifeway-specific example, mm-hmm. but you want to keep that um, updated at all times in a visual place. So when we would come in and out of the building, we would see where we were in that process. And it was something that everybody was working on. So And making sure that it was updated in real time or regular intervals was was good as well. So you don't want to be caught up in the whirlwind and say, oh, well, we don't want to make this part of our weekly meeting or, you know, our weekly meeting is for week-to-week work. No, 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 no. This needs to be have a regular cadence mm-hmm. of accountability, which we'll get into in the next point. Yeah, so this point specifically works really well as you're rolling out and building a leadership pipeline. Yes. Especially the scorecard, scoreboard. So, for example, at my previous church, when we were, uh, when I was responsible for, when I was building out the whole mid-sized community um, approach to community life, right? We went from zero to about 700 individuals engaged in mid-sized communities in a couple of years. So we had a lot of, a lot of leaders of those mid-sized communities and, and people who were at different points of the process. So I actually had a whiteboard in my office where I put all the leaders' names on post-it notes and I had a progression, right? So there was one column that I drew that was all conversations with potential leaders, and I'd put all their names there. And the moment they said yes and they decided to come to the training, I moved them over the tr- to the training one. And then after they finished the training, they then, you know, I was like, okay, did I have a follow-up conversation? Did they say yes? Then I move them over. Did they say no? Well, then I move them down and I'll revisit and, and do that again. So that was a physical representation. And the what I really loved about this is it was in my office and I saw it every single day. So there's no way I could forget it. I later on moved it to Asana and Basecamp and tried it digitally. It didn't work as well because it just right. wasn't in front of my eyes. I'm telling you, a lot of churches, what stands between them and growth? Yeah. It's a stack of post-it notes. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> post-it notes are amazing. Yeah, they are. Stuff done. They are. <laughs> Whether you're documenting a process flow, try to see where people are oh, yeah. falling off. And it's just so like visible. It's visible and it's yeah. movable. Thank you, 3M. Yes. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> All right. So that's discipline number three. The last discipline is creating a cadence of accountability. So uh, according to the authors, discipline four is where execution really happens. So they, I, I like how they put it. They said the first three disciplines set up the game, but until you apply discipline four, your team isn't in the game. It's based on the principle of accountability that unless we consistently hold each other accountable, the goal will naturally disintegrate into the whirlwind. Word. <laughs> because if nobody's accountable, if everybody's accountable, nobody's accountable. Yeah, completely. So what does that accountability cadence look like within a church context, Todd? Uh, that would be making sure that you do have an accurate ac- account of what people's commitments are. Mm-hmm. So there should be um, a documented way that people are turning in their commitments to the goal. Then um, that should be standardized in a scoreboard form. And then they actually need to plan that out because a lot of times 
um, what will happen is, you know, somebody will come in and say, okay, we're going to talk about our goals. Then we decide on one. Then everybody says, okay, I'm committed to do this. Uh, and then we create a scoreboard, but then nobody ever holds anybody accountable. Nobody ever talks about um, the scoreboard. And the biggest issue is because nobody's uh, had to like turn in their plan as well. Yeah. So, so it's not just writing down what you're going to commit to and creating a scoreboard. It's like you have to plan for this and that's going to take some margin. So 85% of your time may be the whirlwind, but that 15 has to be clear and cordoned off to make sure this happens. Yeah. So this is where, this is where I feel Lencioni's weekly meeting Uh, the style of weekly meeting that Lencioni advocates is a really helpful one because he actually says don't have an agenda but have a template for the meeting where every meeting uh, everyone does like a 30 to 60 second hey what are you all working on and then you have the wig or he doesn't use the term wig but you have your goals that your team is working on and everyone goes around and shares what they've been doing toward that goal how um, if they're on time if they're lagging behind if they're ahead and then the rest of the time of the agenda is based on how we can move the goal forward so what i love about that approach is i mean imagine in your weekly meetings i mean seriously not a monthly but in your weekly meetings your your you know, you're reminding everyone about the wig and you're asking, okay, what have you done toward that? And when you do that, you need to make sure that everyone is very, very specific. I mean, we all know the the SMART acronym, right? The SMART goal acronym. Yeah, yeah. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, timeable. Uh, but this, one of the things that the authors here say is make sure that people in the meeting when everyone, because everyone needs to have their own individual scorecard to contribute to the big wig, you need to make sure that people are making high impact commitments, not low impact commitments, right? So here's uh, an example. I mean, this is obviously going to sound businessy because I'm just reading it from the book, but it'll give you a good idea. Mm-hmm. Here's a low impact commitment. I'm going to do some interviews. Here's the high impact commitment. I will interview three candidates for the open position on our team and make an offer to the one that best meets out, best meets our requirements, right? Uh, what are the requirements? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it would be listed out. I know. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Facetious, or, I'm, I'm saying to that person. And on top of that, now tell me what their requirements yes, are. Yeah, completely. Because then you're getting very specific. Yeah, and here's here's another one. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time. I'm going to do some pastoral care this week. That'd be the low impact. The high impact would be, uh, well, I'm going to meet with one leader at the volunteer level, one leader at the leader level, and I'm going to do a development uh, for potential volunteering purposes. And then I'm going to be talking to someone at the coach level and see if they want to have uh, move up to a ministry director level. Right? Boom. Completely different. I'm still meeting with them. I'll still likely do pastoral care, but it's highly specific. And what do you do when you share that to your team? You are held accountable. <laughs> Well, you need to be held modeling. Yes. That's the biggest, that's the highest level of training and development, folks, is modeling. It's one thing, yes, coaching is vitally important. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you model, you have, oh man, you have the right to coach at a higher level. So if you know, you know, if I'm modeling it and I call you out on it, 
it's going to have a lot more weight than if I'm just talking and telling you, oh, you should do this. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, you should do it too. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. So the next question on the Book Breakdown podcast is what are things churches should ignore from this book? What should they ignore from this book? And, you know, we talked a lot about the lead and lag and the whole idea around the scorecard and, and all of that. And, and the reason why, the, you know, we, we spend some time giving you clear examples of lead and lag or inputs and outputs when it comes to discipleship and all that stuff is, is because immediately when you say scorecard, naturally, for me as a pastor, it goes to attendance. Right. It goes yeah, to attendance. It's easy it goes, to measure. Yeah. It goes to attendance. It goes to giving. It goes to group involvement. It goes to serving. And all those things are really important to measure, but they are not your scorecard to get you to the wig. No. <laughs> you should measure them, though, please. No, but it's a Make lag. Sure you, yeah. They you are just, lag. Congratulations. You measure a lag. Yeah. Now let's measure the lead that, le- that leads to the lag. Yes. Precisely. Precisely. And that's where you can't just say your wig is, we are going to increase all aspects of church involvement, right? That is not a wig. That is just something that you want to do in the course of everything anyway. So what is your specific wig? And then make sure that you have lead and lags that are going to, you know, the scorecard to be able to get you there. What else should church leaders ignore from this book? I mean, you know, just like any book, whether it's a church book or a business book, you're going to have to self-select some things out of it that, you know, don't make sense for you. So, of course, it is a business book. Mm. And so it may seem a little bit more sterile or callous when it comes to the area of people. Uh, And so you can forget, you know, some of that in the process if you just practice 40x it is 40x after all yeah four disciplines of execution Mm. so be sure you don't execute people along the way (laughs) yeah what is that thing you say the people the process the process is oh yes it's that the process remember this is something i'm guilty of half the stuff i say by the way is not because i'm smart or whatever it's junk i still have to deal with and am working on and Mm. one of those is as a former xb remembering that the process is for the people. The people are not for my process. Mm. So I have a great, uh, you know, you know, it's one thing to be great in front of a whiteboard and create some grandiose process up on the whiteboard in front of your staff. Mm. And, you know, then they have to go execute it. And you're like, I don't understand. Well, there's people involved in it. So you have to take that into account and you have to understand when you're leading people, there's going to be some nuance and you want to be as clear as possible and you want to help people along as much as possible. Um, you have to create emotion, emotional connection and help them understand the why, the story behind the compelling goal before we go take the hill. Yeah. So this week, what can you do in light of this book? Well, Number one, read the book (laughs) Uh, because the book's going to be helpful. But as you're reading it, I want to challenge you, have conversations with with potential volunteers. Have conversations with people who aren't serving, not to the the end of you need to make the ask by the end of the coffee conversation or it wasn't worth your time. No, just have and invest someone new at your church. Tap them on the shoulder and be like, hey, 
I see you're brand new. I'd love to take you out for coffee or I'd love to hang out with you and, and have that conversation there and see where that leads. Okay, that's one thing you can do. Another thing is have a developmental conversation with one of your leaders. And if you're if you wanna if you wanna see a clear example of how the discipleship lead and lag measures work, the inputs and outputs. That's chapter two of No Silver Bullets. So that'll give you a really clear example that I've been coaching a lot of churches on. Hey, okay, what are ways that you can implement 4DX, but through, you know, more toward that spiritual maturity side of things. So that's what I'd recommend. How about you, Todd, this week? Uh, I would say this week you can basically buy this book and read it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no and don't just read it by yourself. Read it with somebody else. Yes. And then, yeah, that's good. Don't read it by yourself. Don't read it by yourself. And even if you're a solo pastor, read it with a, a, a deacon or an elder or totally. a, a board member or someone who is in a leadership position within your church. You have to read this book. You can if that person is, you know, already way committed and yada, yada. You can let them read the summary so they're going to understand the whole concept of the book and you won't sound like you're an alien when you're having the conversation. Um, now, odds are you've got a couple key business people, business leaders, that may have already read this book. Mm-hmm. So they'll be familiar with it. And guess what? They're going to be super excited, downright stoked mm-hmm. that their pastor is this is true implementing they some will. of this stuff. They'll they be will. like, man. I thought you just played golf and ate a lot. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Wait, you work outside of Sunday? Where you work? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yes, well, <laughs> thanks again for listening in to the Five Leadership Questions podcast, book breakdown edition. Hey, we this podcast is not for us. <laughs> We're doing it to to serve you, to to come alongside you. And if you enjoy this, let us know on social media and give us some ideas for future book suggestions and even future uh, topics for the Five Leadership Questions podcast. That's at Todd Adkins or at Daniel Sangi on Twitter, on all the social media channels. And hey, the last thing before you go, as you know, the Lifeway or the Five Leadership Questions podcast is a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. So make sure to listen to J.D. Greer and Todd Unzicker's Ask Me Anything podcast. It's got another Todd on a podcast. It's (laughs) got to be great. Yeah. How to handle politics, whether or not to attend a homosexual wedding, ways to distinguish God's calling on your life. I mean, they handle it all. And it's quick like the New Churches podcast, about 10 to 15 minutes per episode. So just look up Ask Me Anything or look up J.D. Greer on your favorite podcasting app and you'll see it right there. Catch you guys next time.